This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. Use the promo code BLUECHIP to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Micronation. <clears throat> I am joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, Devin Jackson, the best in the business. Before we hear from Devin, if I sound any different today, um, I do apologize. I'm fighting a sinus infection as we're doing this, so uh, it's a bitch. Anyways, Devin, how are you today? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, we lasted Thursday. 13 seconds before I had to drop a swear. Well, go ahead and uh, drop that explicit title on the episode. But, uh, but yeah, doing pretty good, man. Um, Your favorite podcasters would never. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, can't complain. Um, got a much-needed break from work because I worked six days straight before I was off. So definitely got a couple of days off that, that was much needed. Sounds sounds really grand, Devin. Sounds really grand. Uh, I spent most of this week watching prospects. I did a shit ton that are going to be released by the time you hear this on Friday. Uh, this Dude, I do want to say we are prophecies because the the prospects we highlighted on was it Sunday or or Monday? They all bald. So I, yeah. I wanted to see. I wanted to come out and say that. By the way, so this will be the, the the recording schedule most likely going forward. You'll hear a Monday podcast from us, and then either a Friday or potentially a Saturday podcast. Uh, we'll try to avoid the Saturday podcasts while the NFL playoffs are going on. So for the next couple of weeks, we will for sure be trying to make sure that we get the podcast up on Friday. After the Super Bowl, we might very well do a Saturday podcast here and there. It all depends on schedules, uh, but Monday for sure. And then the you'll get one at the end of the week from us. So anyways, today's podcast, nice and simple. Not going to go too long. Um, we're just going to talk about the national title game from this week because, Devin, I, I don't think this is a stretch. This was probably the best national title game we've seen since the last time Georgia and Alabama faced each other. Yeah, I would, I would say so. Uh, you think about the last couple of years, they've been blowouts. Uh, Alabama That's destroyed, destroyed I was, Ohio I, I was State. Scared. LSU beat Clemson pretty soundly. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, it's been a couple of years since we had a really good national championship game. And I think the thing that made it really good was the fact that there, it was very close to Rome, and and that's what I predicted. I, I knew that it was going to be a, a much lower scoring game than than the first time around, and then uh, these two teams are meeting again within a month of each other. Uh, Georgia has a lot to prove, and and that's exactly what we saw. You know, it was it was a game that uh, was not really decided by. I mean, in some degree, with the side by the quarterbacks, but at the same time, not really. Uh, you look at Alabama; they just got dealt a shitty card. 
I mean, they lost their top their top two receivers against Georgia. Um, you know, and they did everything they can. I mean, there was a, a drop touchdown by Alabama. There were some miscues. There's a blocked field goal as well. So, I mean, when you look back at the game, there were a lot of opportunities for both teams to win the game. But uh, Georgia, in the end, they made more plays in the fourth quarter. And, and now, that's, that's what it came down to. Uh, it is kind of funny. I mean, you picked Georgia to win. I picked Alabama to win. You got the team right. I got almost the margin of victory and the score right because I said 34 to 21 for Alabama. It was 33 to 18 in the final. So a little close. You ended up actually being correct. But I got I kind of got the margin of victory. Um, no, this was this was a really good game. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to bring up a tweet from Dante during the game that Stetson Bennett winning the offensive player of the game and winning a national title is both incredibly like heartwarming as a walk-on and all this stuff and also objectively hilarious well also well also the fanfare around him winning it was way overhyped like you had dudes tweeting that you know stars don't matter and just all types of nonsense oh like, yeah that was my favorite one yeah you know, georgia winning proves that stars don't matter you know the team that's had the number one recruiting class in the nation four years in a row they had a walk-on surrounded by a bunch of five stars <laughs> yeah sure stars don't matter yeah sure whatever um georgia didn't win because of stetson bennett they did win because he he played mostly mistake free. Although the defense bailed him out on on whatever that fumble, okay, complete that pass, whatever that specifically, was. whatever that my was. Mo- I was watching the game with my mom, and my mom was like, very. My mom was rooting for Georgia because I had said that I thought Alabama was going to win, so she picked Georgia just to make the game more interesting, and. Um, she saw that. She goes, oh, well, I, I, I bet you Alabama's fucked. Or sorry, uh, that Georgia's fucked now. And Bama won. And I, I kid you not, this is 100% what actually happened. My mom saw that Alabama scored and went, well, it's late. I'm going to go to bed because then maybe Georgia will win because I'm bringing them bad luck. And sure enough, like within five minutes, actual time, Georgia had pulled ahead and then scored again. Yeah, it, it was crazy. Um, the game, I mean, it going to the fourth quarter was like 13 to 12, right? Or something like that. And then they just started throwing haymakers. Going in the fourth into quarter. the third, the score at the end of the third was 13 to 9. 13 to 9. Then no, they started eight, throwing haymakers. Yeah, 13 to 9. If my Start math throwing. is correct. Yeah, they started throwing. Yes, 13 to 9. They do, they do haymakers in the fourth quarter both ways. It was, it was definitely a defensive battle in the first half, and that's the thing. It was not one of those defensive battles where it's the offenses are objectively terrible. No, no, no. These defenses are that damn good. When you look at the defensive play on both sides of the ball, honestly, I don't think either defense had a bad game, to mm-hmm. be honest. Uh in you know, one of the players I highlight, Fidarian Mathis, like there was like legit a run like where he went down the line of scrimmage and made a tackle. If he didn't make the tackle, I think James Cook probably scores on that play. Is that because the he, big, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, 
they're they had like three, four blockers out ahead of James Cook. There was nobody about to touch him mm-hmm. if if he didn't make the play. So there were not there only, were a couple of plays like that on both sides. Not only that, early in the game, but what's the one question we've all had about Jordan Davis? Pass rush. He gets the quarterback in a minute into the, the game. First play. Like the first <laughs> or second play. Yeah, it was like a minute into the game. It was originally called a, uh, a fumble return for a touchdown on the field, but it was the it was the tuck rule, man, which I thought they were going to give to the Stetson Bennett fumble. And then I love how nonchalantly that defensive back, I think it was Jordan Battle, uh, <laughs> just, you know, he, oh, I'm just going to pick this ball up on my way to the sidelines. Sure enough, it ends up being a, at the time game-changing play. Absolute insanity. This game was amazing. And you know what? There were people that we know that were like, I'm not going to watch this game. I've already seen this game. I'm going to watch The Office instead. That was a mistake. Yeah. Why would you ever, like, listen, I've made it clear. I'm not a big fan of The Office. I've never actually finished it because I don't have the interest in doing so. There is not a a TV show on earth that I would go, I'm going to watch this for like the 13th time instead of the national title game. Ooh. And, like, that's the thing. I'm going to say this. This is not, like, people that Devin and I know that are, that you know, that, that you know that are just, like, kind of quasi-half-assed fans. These are people that claim to be diehard football fans and cover the draft. Listen, the thing with, with to me, you have to watch this game if you want to be, like, you know, somewhat serious of an evaluator because – how this, many first-rounders were in this fucking game? A lot. Well, this is the game that you look at and you see how high level of a game of prospects it is. Yeah. Dude, like, this, isn't, this, isn't, this isn't Toledo versus, you know, uh, freaking, like, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, the Citadel. <laughs> yeah, like, there, there is literally at every position a future NFL player. Outside of Stetson Bennett, outside of him. <laughs> but, but the other 21 people on the field, they could they can even make it can be a camp body, they can be a first round, second round pick. And at some point they can go. So and you, then and then the backups are probably future NFLers too. These are the teams that go one and two every year in recruiting. And think about the the young players in this game. Uh, Dallas Georgia, Turner's a true freshman. Georgia Center. Uh, I think Saldrick or some, something like that. I, I can't remember his full name, but he was like, a, uh, I think, a redshirt freshman. Will yeah. Anderson, Bryce Young. Um, I mean, John Mechie and, and Jameson Williams might come back to school. I mean, we, we don't know. Given their injuries, yeah. By the way, I really hope that, that, that Jameson Williams has a full recovery. The fact that that was a torn ACL was shocking to me because he was able to walk off the field. Well, as soon as it happened, as soon as he went down, I'm like, damn. I, I, knew I thought maybe it was an ACL at first, and then he got up. I'm like, it can't be because nah. he wouldn't be able to walk. But sure enough, yeah. Well, that just shows how much of a badass Jameson Williams is. He walked well, to the back on his own. Well, also think about how violent that cut was. Because like, think about think about if he didn't, his knee didn't give out on that cut. That is probably a touchdown. That's probably a touchdown. Bama wins this game if, if he doesn't get hurt. I, I think so too. I think Bama would, because the way Stetson Bennett was playing the first three quarters, it looked like he was seeing ghosts, like for real. 
It was he, bad. he was going full Sam Darnold. Never go full Sam Darnold. Yeah, but I mean, in the end, you know, a lot of uh, to me, I think the the three or four prospects that that honestly made the most money from the game. Uh, I look at uh, James Cook, Lewisine, uh, Fedaria Mathis, and I, I want to say. I think Evan Neal solidified that he's a, a top five pick. Now he did give up a sack on his last ever college play, but it is. I mean, that it would not matter. No, Honestly. no, no, no. They were already down fifteen. Uh, but uh, so I'll, I'll I'll go with my guys that really stood out. Um, I thought that James Cook had that really long run, the 67 yarder. Sure. He only finished with 77 yards on, you know, on the ground on only six carries. I told you Zamir white was going to get a shit ton of carries. And he did. He got 13. He got more than double anyone else. Um, He had 84 yards, which is more than I thought. I mean, I I made the joke that he would get 18 carries and 43, but he didn't quite get that. He did get the touchdown though. So I'll say, I'll say James cook, uh, I mean, George Pickens, he definitely made an impact on that one catch. It was his only catch of the game, 52-yarder down the sideline. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't. Boss man would literally fire me if I didn't talk about Devontae Wyatt. So let's talk about Devontae Wyatt. I think he got banged up. Maybe – was he the one that, that banged up his shoulder? No, that was Mathis. Mathis banged up his shoulder. Sorry, no, no. Uh, yeah, Devontae Wyatt had a, had a really solid game. Actually – did a great job of keeping guys like Nicobe Dean clean and he attracted some attention to, to take less of uh, you know, the offense's focus off of Jordan Davis. Uh, and then for, for Bama, I mean, Cameron Latu. Yeah. He had to be the, the, the offense once, once Williams went down five catches for one Oh two, the offense just didn't look the same without James and Williams. And that's completely understandable because they didn't have a John Mechie to fall back on Jaleel Billingsley. Who's now, entered the transfer portal was almost a complete non-factor in this game. Don't think he didn't have a catch. I don't even know if they targeted him at any point. Uh, you can tell he, he had completely lost his place. That is Cameron Latte's position now, uh, who is draft eligible. Don't think he's going to declare, put his name up there for, for uh, tight end position next year. And on defense for Bama, Christian Harris was everywhere. Will Anderson is a monster. I don't care. If you look at the stats, he didn't have a great game. He, he I'm pretty sure Stetson Bennett might have crapped his pants at one point during this game because Will Anderson is a terrifying human being. He's not the biggest. Like, I didn't actually realize this until, until the game. I thought that he was the same kind of build as, like, um, someone like an Aiden Hutchinson. He's definitely more in that Thibodeau-ish build. I think he's, like, 6'4". He's 240. Um, yeah, I didn't realize he was actually – I figured he was like 260, but I guess not. He's He's got freakish speed, man. And then, again, I, met, I mentioned his name earlier. Uh, put his name down for 2024, you absolute sickos. Dallas Turner, the other edge rusher, he's the one filling in for Chris Allen. Well, Chris Allen had a torn ACL at, uh, th- uh, this year true freshman by the way christian harris three sacks on the game from middle linebacker it was a a missile coming coming uh from his linebacker position uh but back to will anderson real quick i think the one play that blew me away was georgia was about to run like power or i think like a sweep play and like stets ended up pulling it out and throwing the ball 
Dude got underneath both of the pullers and still got to Stetson Bennett and made him throw it in the dirt. I was like, yeah, or or or, or the reverse where he was already in the backfield and could have taken the handoff. Yeah, he, he's insane. He's um, so fast off the ball, you think he's offside by a yard and a half. He's in the backfield with with elite quickness. I mean, like we we thought Thibodeau was quick, like getting off, but this guy, man. He is he is special. Like and, and and I would be remiss. I I was very hard on him on Monday's podcast. Keely Ringo, the freshman defensive back. I said that Bama was going to pick him apart, you know, and they were going to target him just like they did during the the SEC championship game. Well, he puts it away on the pick six. And by the way, I love the sideline angle of that where. It's thrown up. He skied for that ball. Like it wasn't going to be complete anyways, but he just says, no, fuck you. It's mine. He comes down with it. And you can see Kirby smart on the sideline the entire way back to the end zone, screaming at him to get down. And Keely Ringo is just like, nah, I got this touchdown. No, well, did, did you see how high Kirby jumped on the interception? Oh yeah. Kirby with uh, Kirby might've been able to high point that football. Yeah, um, that that was that was amazing, man. Th- um, this whole game was amazing, man. This was this was one of the games of the year. I was a little scared with how close it was towards the end that we were going to get overtime because if we got overtime, we risked having that really stupid new overtime rule yeah, yeah, coming yeah. into the national title game. Which if the if the if the national title game came down to a two point conversion off, then I would probably turn it off. But it thankfully didn't. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a great game, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to watching this back and and honestly, I don't think I'm going. I don't know if I'm going to use it to necessarily, uh, you know, uh, like great prospects, but I, I do plan on watching it back at some point just to marvel at all the ridiculous plays made in this game because they're. I mean, it was most of these guys that are playing their last game. They put they put great film out there. They put amazing film on by the way highlight of the entire night has to be nicobe dean putting on the wrong hat yeah i mean that was that was about on brand for georgia winning as possible because they it was like literally everyone thought they were gonna lose including me like i was like here's the thing i went into this game like i've seen this game before i would not be shocked if it played out the exact same way but well well for me i'm not gonna i was very low confident on picking Georgia to win, like extremely low confident. Not not because I don't think they could do it. I just didn't think they were going to make the adjustment because like we talked about it. I said second half adjustments are going to be uh, the key in this game. And, and Georgia made the necessary adjustments, especially in the fourth quarter, uh, to pretty much lock down Alabama's defense. So, Holy crap. I don't know if you just saw this. 2022 college football playoff national championship nets 22.6 million viewers cable television's top telecast in the last two years. And that's just cable. Think about the people that watch this streaming through other methods. Yeah, that was one of those. Oh, no one wants to see this game again. No one wants to see it. No, I wanted to see it. I watched it from the sky view angle. Which was amazing. It was amazing. I was I was lucky enough. Now I am someone that traditionally DVRs games and either watches them on a delay, like 
That's one of the reasons why, and Devin knows this, if I'm watching a particular game, do not text me anything about that game because I'm probably 35 minutes behind so that I don't have to watch commercials. I have a degree in marketing. I have had enough of commercials. Yeah, I watched me, this one live. I watched this one live because I wasn't going to, I was not going to take any damn chances. Honestly, this game I, phenomenal. I, I also didn't want to have that stupid, he, here's a, Here's Dan Orlovsky and Stephen A. Smith on the sidelines for no apparent reason. And by the way, the game's up in the you know in like a little three by three box in the right hand corner. If you're interested in that, Dan Orlovsky is that I will never forgive ESPN for that for the LSU uh, Clemson game. Yeah, that was terrible. But no, uh, funny enough, you mentioned people on the sideline. He had Andrew Luck and RC three on the sideline and. I can't remember who made that tweet, but it was like RG3 is like some lawyer and then uh, Andrew oh. Luck is, is some science teacher. That's just happy I also to be saw there. one where it's RG3 looks like he's a prospect in this year's draft class and Andrew Luck looks like the mechanic that fixed my car last week. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> or a retired math teacher. Yes, retired math teacher. By the right. way, the, the funny thing is, is that those two, those two guys are 33 and 32 respectively. That's sad. Because they both should still be playing right now. Yeah. Injuries, man. Injuries. Um, Man, we we literally could talk about this particular game forever. This game was phenomenal. Honestly, I mean... Do you want to take a quick break and then, like, we'll come back and talk about a few prospects we watched after this game? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, we'll be right back. Players. We want to thank our friends over at Jersey House for sponsoring today's show. No one likes paying full price for jerseys, and thanks to Jersey Hess, you don't have to anymore. Jersey Hess has all your needs covered, whether you want an NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, or college jersey, or if you want a jersey for the European football, they've got it all. They also do custom jerseys and are always looking to add more players to their vast catalog. Head on over to jerseyhouse.ca and use the code BIGSHOTS to save 15% off your next order and help give back to the podcast. They ship anywhere in the world, and Devin and myself swear by their products. That's jerseyhouse.ca and the promo code BIGSHOTS for 15% off. All right. So, obviously, after Monday's game, there were no more games to get excited about. So, Devin and I have gone full into uh, prospect scouting. Now, there has been a slight change with Blue Chip Scouting Department. Obviously, Devin and I are still responsible for the, in Devin's case, the Mac and the Mountain West, and in my case, the Big 12 and all nine draft prospects that are uh, coming from the Sun Belt. But the SEC uh, opened up, which means that it is actually basically first come, first serve on whoever wants to do particular prospects. So Devin and I just decided this week, screw it. We're going to get right into these SEC guys because, well, I'm sorry, neither of us. This is probably the the best film we're going to watch. Oh, yeah. I have. Listen, listen, there I've, I've given out one second round two second round grades so far uh in the big 12 two i'll give out uh, a third in the mag that's about (laughs) it yeah i've given a two second round grade to the big 12 and my my one sunboat report that you can find on bluechipscouting.com is a fourth so i was very excited to talk talk about some guys that are definitely going to be upper echelon so i started with james cook because obviously after monday's game on tuesday i had to sit down and watch i came away very impressed he's exactly what i thought he was He's Naheem Hines. He's uh, Tony Pollard. The thing is, is I'm not sure 
how the NFL would evaluate. So, and I kind of came away with those same things. Like, listen, those guys are great, but they're never going to be your future back. And if I'm going to take a running back in the first two rounds or two, three rounds, I kind of want them to be more than just like a receiving specialist, which is really what James Cook is. Listen, he's a phenomenal player. I still gave him an early day three grade. Yeah, it makes sense. I almost felt like I felt bad turning in that report because I felt like I like for how much I like him as a prospect, I felt he should be higher. I mean, ultimately, he still may go higher. I think he could be in that Alvin Kamara range that, you know, he went with the Saints. I think it was like towards the end of round three. By the way, I'd like to say that Alvin Kamara was 17th on my board that year. Look, dude, dude is phenomenal. That was way before yeah. it's way before I started uh, evaluating. So I, I've been doing this too long, man. <laughs> but uh, for me, uh, I, I've started the process of going through Fedarian Mathis, and I have not been disappointed. I mean, dude is extremely violent on in the way he <clears throat> he sheds blocks and uh, you know, kind of that technique that you know, some defensive linemen use where they drop their knee and, and kind of split it, split double teams. Like he has mastered that. Like I've seen at least four or five times where he's like in getting double team zone blocked, he drops his knee, splits the double team, and then makes the play. I mean, he finished with nine sacks, 10 and a half tackles for loss. Um, Insane. Dude was actually in. And the thing about it is that he has pass rush upside as well. Is He's not just a, uh, you know, two down, two gap player. I think he can be uh, has has the ability to be a three down player at the next level. I would love to see him in a four three uh, as a two gapper. I think he's phenomenal, especially at one tech, uh, being able to to club and rip. Uh, you know, kind of bench press offensive lineman uh, and use a swim move. Use uh, you know, kind of a dip and rip. He has a lot of different moves in in his repertoire in terms of uh, getting off blocks. It's not just bull rushes, not just pushing uh, offensive line in the backfield. He has some finesse to his game as well. And, and I think the thing that stands out most is the effort. Uh, Dude will chase down a play from behind. He's like 320, and he's chasing down plays from behind, chasing down plays down the line of scrimmage. And he's making a lot of plays that, that some of the linebackers you you would expect to see, like mm-hmm. Henry Toa Toa, uh, Christian Harris. Like sometimes they're out of position, and he's – playing a uh, defensive tackle and he's making plays that they should make. So to me, I, I think we're going to talk about him a lot more, especially after the senior bowl. I think that's where you're going to see his people talk about him and maybe that uh, second round area where he could go in the top 50, top 60 picks because he is that effective as a defensive lineman. So after Jordan Davis, I mean, I think Fedaria Mathis gives you great, tremendous value in round two. And, and can be a starter uh, in year one because he is that advanced in terms of technicality of the game, being able to actually win with his power, not just winning uh, because he's bigger than someone or stronger. Like he, he actually uses great technique. You said all of that about Federico Mathis. I watched the other high profile defensive lineman uh, from the SEC that everyone is definitely way higher on the, uh, than I am. Listen, that's the Marvin Leal from Texas A&M. And Lance Zierlein of, of NFL Network drew some flack for saying that Leal was a lot closer to a third-round prospect than he is to a first-round prospect. And 
I kind of agree. People have been overrating DeMarvin Leal a little bit, man. Just a little bit. I don't, I'm not going to say full blown third round pick, but I mean, I see him mocked in the top 10. I see him in people's top 10 on their boards. And listen, see what you grade and stand like grade with conviction, as, as Tyler Fornis would say. If that's what you see, then that's what you see. It's not what I see. I, you talked about effort level, which DeMarvin Leal has good effort, but like, if you double team Fedarian Mathis, you're going to have to battle with Fedarian Mathis, even though he's being double teamed. With DeMarvin Leal, if he's double teamed, it's curtains for him. He just kind of puts his hands up and it's, it's done. And Texas A&M did him no favors by lining him up as like, they were lining him up as like a 4-3 defensive end, which he's not going to be at the next level because he's 295 pounds. They put him as a stand-up edge rusher. Just stick him as a three-tech. Three-tech, line him right up on, on the guard as a, you know, as a four. Maybe he's a five-tech in, in a three-man front. That's about it. Don't, don't do this cute shit where he's a stand-up edge rusher. Don't make him drop into, you know, into shallow zones. It's, it's not what he's going to be. So it, it was a frustrating eval. I ended up giving him a day two grade. I didn't go full round three. He ended up being basically as high as you can get in round two. Uh, the report is up on bluechipscouting.com. But no, like, it's funny that you mentioned that with all of that with Fidari Mathis, because I saw almost none of it with the Marvin Leal, which is very disappointing. But his teammate, Isaiah Spiller, Devin, you ever have a player where you know they're not going to be like your number one player, but you just have so much fun watching their film? Yes, sir. That was Isaiah Spiller for me. I, I mean, I watched like six games of his, and I normally do like three or four for a prospect. If I really need an extra game, I'll go five. I watched like six games of Isaiah, of Isaiah Spiller, not because I needed to, but because he's just so damn fun. Listen, for a guy that's 215, 220, you would expect him to be much more of like an, uh, a, a bruising back. And he's not. His contact balance is actually his worst trait. But like if you wrap him up like half, half acidly, you know, you know uh, diving at his legs, he's going to get through that. He's going to get through an arm tackle. What I love about Isaiah Spiller is his lower body mechanics don't make any sense when he's going for his moves. He's incredibly creative. Um, I tweeted out that his, his cutbacks and his uh, stutter steps are hazardous to a defender's ankles. Uh, there was this play against uh, Missouri, and I sent this to you, where this poor safety thought he had him squared up, and he spun him like a ballerina. It was beautiful. He just hit him with this move like five yards out, and this poor defensive back's ankles just melted onto the, onto the field. Um, Listen, I know it's 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 cool and it's fun to say running backs don't matter. They should go round one. I don't care. I gave Isaiah Spiller a first round grade. It was amazing. RB one for sure. I mean, I, I'm excited to watch him. I haven't watched him since the summer, but I, I did like him, and and I, re- I recall liking him more than Brees Hall over the summer. So. Some of the best vision in the NFL, though. For sure. I mean, I I would oh, say in, like in, in the in, in college draft, football, like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's what I'm about to say. In the NFL draft this year, like he has yeah. some of the best vision. He almost got perfect vision, and that's our that's our most important and and uh, worth the most points at running back for us. 
Yeah, it, that's that's uh, one of the more important traits for sure. Because and a you very gotta... underrated part of the evaluation: durability. The guy has been part of a committee backfield every single year. That's always a, a you know a plus. But yeah, I mean he's he's been tremendous. I'm looking forward to watching him. Uh, I haven't gotten to watch any of Jordan Battle yet, uh, so hopefully in the next few days I can do that. But uh, switching back to my conference, I watched another running back. Uh, I watched Ronnie Rivers from Fresno State. Um, and you know, I, I was somewhat impressed. I, I do think that he's going to be a bit limited by his size. He's like 5'8", 195. Um, and we'll see once he gets to, I think it's the NFLPA Bowl, where his actual measurements are. But very small back. Uh, he, to me, he's, he's, he seems more of a, a scat back type player. He's not necessarily a, a power back. He's not necessarily a back that's going to take on a lot of carries. But, uh, you know, watching him, he has some pretty good vision. Uh, it's not elite level. I do think, uh, you know, other running backs have, have slightly better vision than him because there are times where he uh, – there's a few times that I saw on film at least he missed – uh, a few cutback lanes, and, and he ended up just, uh, you know, kind of accepting a, a two or three yard game when he could have hit, you know, the hole and got seven, eight, maybe 15 yards. Uh, so I wanted to see him kind of improve in, in terms of scanning the whole field and not just uh, the the normal gaps. I feel like he's accustomed to cutting back into uh, receiving wise. He's a pretty good receiving back. Hands are decent. Uh, I don't think they're anything special, but he does a really good job as an outlet on check down swing, swing routes. Uh, every now and then they'll have him on a choice route and he can, uh, you know, create some mismatches there, but I don't think it's consistent. Came really, uh, came really away impressed with his uh, pass protection ability. Uh, he can, st- you know, stand up uh, blitzing linebackers. Uh, he has no issues with, you know, twists that might happen. The only issues he had was like, if there were two linebackers blitzing in the A gap, and he's trying to choose which one uh, to block uh, to, to kind of slow it down. Because, I mean, at that point, if it's seven on five or seven on six, I mean, someone's coming free. So I think he needs to do a better job of identifying which one is – which linebacker would be uh, the one that provides the most uh, immediate danger to the quarterback. So I think he needs to do a, a little bit better job identifying that. Uh, but, but all in all, I think – uh, he projects as a rotational running back. I think he's probably bottom of the depth chart, third or fourth running back on on the roster. Uh, you know, with the upside to be a rotational backup, uh, I do think uh, there are some durability concerns because second half of the season wasn't as good as the first half of the season because he had a high ankle sprain uh, midway through the season. I think he got hurted against San Diego. No, I think it was Nevada. He heard it against Nevada, and then he was really never the same back. Uh, but I ended up giving him uh, a late day three grade. I do think he's ha- he's draftable and has some traits that you, you would want in the NFL running back room, but I don't think uh, he's uh, going to be towards the top of uh, anyone's running back list, but, but I do think he's worth the watch. Um, I watched Jalen Tolbert. My opinion on him really hasn't changed since the summer. I think he's kind of a, a – Day three, can't separate all that well. This year we saw him up against more press coverage, struggles to separate, uh, less wide open offense at, at uh, South Alabama this year, not overly fast. He's kind of an average wide receiver. I'm not entirely sure where this like second round hype 
is from him. But I'll tell you, Devin, the next guy I have on my list is back in the SEC. I got to watch some Kenyon Green. He just kept popping while I was watching Spiller, including this play against Arkansas where he just drove blocked his poor defensive uh, defensive back like 30 freaking yards. It was something out of the blind side where he just he, he grabbed a hold of him. And guess what? You're coming for a ride and you'll 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 get off when I feel like letting go. Yeah, um, I mean, once again, over the summer, uh, you know, you saw a lot of, um, you know, a lot of his ability, you know, at, at I believe he was playing guard, right, uh, over the summer or last year he played guard. Yeah, so he's before naturally moving to tackle. a guard. He did the Elijah Vera Tucker of switching it to tackle, but then he also played both guards and both tackle spots this year. So I, I, that's incredible versatility. Um, we saw at some points at, at some points in, in, in games I was watching, he was, you know, changing position on a drive to drive basis. So, I mean, Elijah, Elijah Barry Tucker went first round. So we know Kenyon Green is, is probably going to go first. round. He might even go even higher, maybe five, six spots higher than uh, Elijah Barry Tucker when it's all said and done. So definitely intriguing watching him. Uh, but I think that is all the prospects I've watched as of late. Because uh, I, I talked about uh, Bernard Raymond and, and a few other people, uh, but some other players I'm looking forward to getting to uh, over the the next week or so. Uh, kind of want to finalize Cameron Thomas for San Diego State. Um, very excited to do his evaluation. Uh, I think I'm going to finally just go ahead and do Carson Strong. I mean, kind of putting it off and saying, you know, nah, maybe maybe I'll wait, but. With the Senior Bowl pretty much a couple of weeks away, I think it's a good time to actually do his evaluation and, and sit down and do it. Um, finish up for Darian Mathis, obviously, Jordan Battle, uh, and maybe I'll grab a few more SEC guys on the way. Yeah, might as well since I got the film. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore draft. You can find Devin on Twitter at Real D underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work at Blue Chip Scouting. Believe me, Devin and I are pumping out a shit ton, a, a metric shit ton of scouting reports. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout, and we will see you guys on Monday. If you want to show your favorite podcast some love, may I suggest heading over to bluechipscouting.com and clicking on the merchandise tab and checking out the catalog of shirts, sweaters, stickers, and other gear available to you.